you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly. As always, well, not as always, last week Doug uh, was on vacation, so uh, he's back this week. Though Doug is back, uh, joined on the show by Doug Moore, and uh, today I'm delighted to be joined on the show as well by Jim McCormick. Uh, a lot of you'll know him from his work with ESPN and Bleacher Report, among many other uh, sites that he's, he's involved with. But uh, Jim, thanks for jumping aboard the show. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, in case uh, anyone hears any kind of thumping noises in the background from time to time, Doug is heading home from work. And no, I'm not saying that he's going to crash his car. Uh, his uh, wipers uh, at the start of this call were hitting over and back. So I think, Doug, are you in the rain? Uh, I, I am in the rain right now. It's been raining all day. And unfortunately, uh, if you do want me to stay on the road, these wipers uh, uh, do need to stay on. <laughs> yeah, so we, we can have one very large uh, thump. And, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fair trade-off. Yeah. You know? we, either, we either have one huge thump and no more Doug on the show, or yes, we have yeah. lots of small thumps and uh, Doug can stay safe. So we'll go for the latter. And uh, obviously it is uh, heading into week 13. We're to the last week of buys. We have the Cleveland Browns and the Titans on buy this week. And it's been a, a very fascinating season so far. I can't believe we're already into week 13. We're going to kind of talk a little bit, maybe, about week 12 and start to look ahead towards week 13 more so looking towards the playoffs as well because a lot of uh, fantasy owners now are in that time we're uh, starting to look maybe at playoff schedules something that i don't like to look into because you start to get a little bit presumptive but uh, we'll, we'll talk about the playoff schedule maybe look ahead to some players and their values for next season for people in keeper and dynasty leagues but uh, always starting the show i like to give a plug to itunes and stitcher all the ways you can listen to the overtime ireland podcast we're on the overtime ireland website as well which is overtimeireland.com you can stream it on there and we have all the different ways that you can listen to the show hopefully you will hit the subscribe button come back and listen to us each and every week and uh, i try and get the plugs out of the way as quick as i can starting the show so one more to do here on this read and then we're back to uh, talk nfl just before we get into the game previews, I want to quickly tell you about a promotion we've got going on here at OTI. You've probably heard this over the last couple of weeks on the show, but it is continuing on, and it is with NFL Shop Europe. Their website is europe.nflshop.com, and they are giving OTI listeners an exclusive discount of 10% off all orders. That is OTI10 as the discount code at checkout. You save yourself 10% off. And good news, up until this coming Monday, they are offering free shipping worldwide as well. So if you're looking for maybe a hoodie, a hat of that coming into the winter time keep your head warm keep your body warm check them out they have all the latest new area gear and so on and so forth all authentic nfl merchandise i've even seen some cute uh, baby grows comes up on their website over the last couple of days so uh check that out as well if you have any kids and want to get them kitted out uh, coming up to the holiday season so uh, that is oti 10 at checkout save 10 percent off and uh, until monday they have a uh, free worldwide shipping and it's europe.nflshop.com So with all the shameless plugging out of the way, I try and get it done as quickly as possible. I know listening to other podcasts, uh, I like to try and skip through that. So hopefully you go to the sponsors and uh, help help kick something back here to OTI. But uh, Jim, I like to start off the last kind of five or six shows with getting a key talking point from the previous week. Have you a key talking point from week 12 that if you could only pick one thing that you would look at would be uh, what happened in week 12, one thing? Uh, it's something you brought up in your notes uh, that you sent over. Basically, I mean, I think Jeremy Hill's in an interesting, interesting situation. Yeah. You know, he was this guy who was isolated forever to early down touches and kind of 
this touchdown dependent guy, you know, like he needed a touchdown to, to, to get to retain value. But yeah. I think last, you know, this week wasn't just a, an uptick in passing usage. It was a career high and, you know, targeted on, on 25% of his routes and, and, and a career high six targets. I just think it's interesting. A guy that we never thought of as high floor, at least since his rookie year, might actually have be one of these guys who, if you held on to him as your low end RB2, you know, it's a it's a it's a really eroded running back market. This might be a guy that actually leads teams to titles. Yeah, because there's you know obviously the volumes there. This is something I talked about on the podcast last week with Michael Moore, and we were talking about him getting that extra work, not just with uh, Gio being out, but also with um, AJ Green being out this week. We'll see. We'll be talking about him in a moment about how long he will continue to be out for. But I'm not a Jeremy Hill fan. I'm a, I'm kind of one of the Geo guys. But you know, there's no doubt that the workload's there, and he got those pass catches as well. And especially if you're in PPR leagues, if he gets five or six catches a week, it's really going to start to boost him up. And as you mentioned, you know he that can make up for the fact that he mightn't get into the end zone but if he does get into the end zone he could have that monster week for you as uh, you get into those playoff games Doug is there anything that you took away from uh, week 12 yeah I, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna try and catch up from last week I want to give you two right. I'm gonna go through them real quickly which You're only allowed to give us one probably... <laughs> <laughs> um, so my first one is um, Tyrell Williams with yeah. uh, with San Diego it's crazy how you know when Keenan Allen went down uh, Tyrell Williams, you know, was looked at. Hey, he's going to get an uptick and stuff. And Travis Benjamin's going to be the true number one guy. And, and it's really been the opposite. Uh, I think Benjamin had one catch last week, and uh, Williams had over 100 yards and a touchdown. And uh, he's really taken on that number one role since Allen went down. Um, really, in the past few weeks, as he's been recovering, I know that Benjamin missed the uh, the game before the bye for them. So I think you know one of the things for me in, in talking about it in the future, the Chargers have a terrific young core. I think with with Williams, with uh, Keenan Allen if he comes back, Hunter Henry. Um, uh, oh crap! Now I'm forgetting Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Uh, but they just have a terrific Benjamin. core, yeah. uh, and and Benjamin too. Obviously, they might have one of the best uh, starting trios um, if if Allen comes back to anything close to what he's been. <laughs> Um, and then real quick, my other one, I want to get your take because it, it's, it's hard for me in a way to root for this guy just because of some things. I, I try to keep it fantasy football related, but Tyrell Williams, uh, oh God, no, Tyreek, <laughs> Tyreek Hill. Hill. Yeah. 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 Tyreek Hill, um, uh, of the chiefs, uh, had three touchdowns, um, you know, it, this week, uh, this past week, uh, ridiculous numbers. Uh, I think he had a rushing touchdown. A receiving touchdown, a returning touchdown, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. It's yeah. the first uh, since Gale Sayers in 1965. And he's the first rookie to ever do it. And, and you know, he's a crazy, talented guy. Uh, the reason I say it's hard for me to root for him is just because of, you know, the his things history. that led to him. Yeah, yeah his history, him leading there. to being a fifth-round pick. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, what do you – I want to get your guys' take. Do you think he's a guy that, you know, the, the Chiefs might have found their guy for a number two wide receiver, which they've desperately lacked for so long? What's his outlook look like, uh, you know, going forward? Obviously, he's a rookie, so he's, pl- he's going to be there for plenty of time. What do, what do you guys think? What do you think is his ceiling? You know, what can he do? Is this, you know, is he a high, you know, floor guy or what, what to expect of him? I'll let you go first, Jim. I think he's a, I think I think I don't think high floor would be the word. Um only because, you know, this is kind of specialty gadget kind of stuff that they're doing for him, the bubble screens. I think uh, Chris Harris had a good point earlier this week that he sees some Brandon Cooks in him. And the idea that, like, you know, you want to get this guy the ball and just put that that crazy, you know, sub 4-3 speed to work. Uh, you know, I think that's an interesting comparison. It's just the difference is, you know, uh, 
I don't think there's a there's the volume, obviously. You know, uh, the the <clears throat> somehow the, the the Chiefs do their best work when Alex Smith doesn't do anything. You know, I think they've won 13 <laughs> of their last 15 when he's passed for under 250, which is basically what it means is like you know their recipe is really running and 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 pass rushing. Uh, but no, I guess the my pro- I think the real litmus test for his fantasy value will be when Macklin comes back because I really don't think this Andy Reid offense, particularly the one that's catered for Smith. Is going to be able to support two guys at once, you know, especially when you factor in that Ware is going to get his share and Kelsey kind of has his share already carved out. So, I mean, for a team that kind of wants to limit it to 26, 27 pass attempts a game, you know, I think he's interesting. You have to get him in your lineups if, if, if you're in a deep enough league. If you're in a 12-team league and you have, like, flexes and stuff, I can see playing him, uh, especially over – you know all these injuries. I'd obviously play him over anybody, say on Chicago or even, you know, even any of the New England guys other than Edelman, stuff like that. You know, but I, I do think there's a lot of variance here. I think he's a high ceiling guy, and, and I, I think people are going to chase this week for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think though he's one of those guys who could go off, could get you those uh, return touchdowns like he did this week, but. He fits in for me, like you mentioned with Cooks, he's one of those boomer bust guys, and Doug, you asked about a you know a safe floor, he might have that when Macklin's out, but when he comes back, uh, I'd like to see what he does those uh, weeks when Macklin's in the lineup. I think he, he fits for me into that kind of, I'm not putting these two guys in the same category, but like Ted Ginn to Sean Jackson, we've seen them both go off this right. week for huge weeks, and he's somebody like that who, you know, I sat Jackson in a couple of leagues this week, I was asked on Twitter uh, on Thursday about starting and sitting players and I told a couple of people to sit Jackson because over the last few weeks he hadn't been doing it, he had the shoulder issue going into the game and he absolutely went off against the Cowboys, so he's kind of one of those players and the weeks can be hard to call and sometimes as a fantasy owner they're the most frustrating players to own because you start them two or three weeks they get you three or four points and then the week you sit them they go off for you know, 24, 25 points, so I think he, he falls into that but he has somebody to watch and like you said Doug he's somebody who's hard to root for but there's no doubt that you know the speed's there anyway that's that's definitely the one thing that uh, he does have and if uh, you know in that gadget kind of role it could be uh, something that is uh, very very useful in fantasy football it's something like we've seen taylor gabriel do something similar this week as well with catching a couple of screen passes we've seen a couple of weeks ago catching a deep pass against philadelphia you kind of some of these players are just but they are very very hard to to rely on on a week-to-week basis but Definitely, if you're in deeper leagues, there is huge value there, and, and those sort of players in those weeks can, can put you over the edge. Uh, Doug, something I want to get your take on. It's uh, Rob Gronkowski. Any update? Obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday, very early in the week, but Gronk went out of that game with a back injury. Um, you know, He obviously has had issues going back all the way to college and uh, pre-draft where he had the, the surgery on his back. Do you expect him to suit up this week, and uh, what's the latest in New England on, on Rob Gronkowski? Yeah, it's really interesting because especially this season, the Patriots have been very conservative with, uh, especially when he had the hamstring injury early on and how I think they, he sat the first two weeks, Um, you know, he came back, he was very limited for a few weeks, even after coming back in in regards to, you know, the snaps on the field, routes he ran. (laughs) So it's, it's really interesting. I don't think, um, especially considering his history, uh, where he's had two back surgeries, you know, one that caused him to miss an entire season at Arizona, and then also one that basically took away an entire season while he was with New England. I think he missed 13 games. Um, I'm not so sure, and I'm not saying these are automatically related, but it is something to keep in mind. Um, I, I would say that he is definitely, not definitely, but I would definitely say, I just said definitely again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna so definitely? I, um I would say that there's a high chance that he does not play this week just because I don't think the Patriots need to play him. 
Um, I think Bennett, uh, you know, that's something to keep in mind too. He re-injured his ankle, but he came back in. But I don't think they need to play him necessarily this week, considering that they're in a good spot and also facing not necessarily the toughest opponent in the league. Um, so I would say that he's not going to play this week. Uh, he wasn't seen doing that much uh, in the locker room after the game. So I, I would bet on him not playing this week. I don't even know if he'd be ready to play next week, just because the Patriots have been very conservative with how they've taken him when it comes to injuries. And he suffered, you know, the hamstring injury, the lung injury, now the back injury. Um, you know, he, he's going to be putting a, he needs to be putting a body cast or something, but I uh, know for, for fantasy owners, I would say he's, he's not going to play this week, most likely, unless there's some miraculous miracle, but they don't need to play him anyway. Yeah. Uh, Jim, this is something that I wanted to kind of bring up as well was, you know, this is the time of the year when you're, we're getting to the playoff side of uh, fantasy football, but there's certain teams that are either out of contention or teams that are so comfortable, uh, you know, and not really having to go uh, and push themselves to win that division title or make the playoffs. And we see them maybe not get the full amount of snaps maybe sat in the fourth quarter of games and you see you know players just shut down if they're on a team that has nothing to play for somebody like AJ Green if the Bengals are completely out of it you know they might shut him down and not risk him towards the end of the season is that something that you just take on a week-by-week basis and play those guys anyway or is it something that you you put a lot of thought into yeah you have to just take it week by week I mean it's it's one of these things it's almost like weather in the NFL you know it's it's like we spend the whole week being like it's going to be windy in Cleveland and then points (laughs) exactly so I mean I think the larger data set you know says that that there isn't actually a huge influence uh you know it's it's a unique to, to the coaching decisions right I mean we saw a few times with Dungy and with the Colts back in the day where they would rest their starters when they had a huge lead over that awful AFC South but outside of the Patriots it's in the AFC and the Cowboys in the NFC. There's no that, that there's really it's only really like a two team race right there. I think I think the Giants, for example, will still be fighting to get a bye. And so we, we and a lot of that stuff is still there's still even though we're getting down the stretch run, there's still obviously a lot of uh, movement here left to, to, to go down. But, yeah, I, I think it's one of these things where I wouldn't let it factor into my to my strategy but if, if for some reason you still have a trade deadline going on or you know if there's some buying opportunity uh yeah i would actually you know maybe prey on that if it's possible at all if somebody's scared of tom brady or something or scared of somebody that they think isn't going to be used you know i think aj green is a more relevant example i think that's more relevant in the sense that when guys are injured and they're on teams that aren't in contention i do think there's less of an incentive especially with a guy like green who they have locked up and you know, that's the long-term commodity. It's similar to Gronk. It's like you want to be sensitive to that and and because it's a long-term part of their portfolio there. You know, they don't really want to risk that, especially a team that's not going to the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you there. And, you know, you can worry about it this time of the year, but I, I lost a game a couple of weeks ago by two points, and it was in the game... Uh, that the the Titans played the Jags and Mariota sat the last eight minutes of the fourth quarter, so you can't really factor it's the that. Steph, it's the Steph Curry effect, yeah. you know, <laughs> we see it happen. In, I mean, fantasy basketball is a completely different thing, but sometimes, yeah, there are some dangers of being on a really good team that blows teams out. You know, it, Aaron Rodgers has done that before yeah, last, when they were really yeah, good. last year. It happened, you know? yeah. And uh, I think, uh, you know, that's why we try and play in as many leagues as we can that don't have uh, playoff finals in week 16. So we'll, we'll move along from that one. Uh, talking a minute ago about Deshaun Jackson going off on uh, Thursday, uh, Jordan Reed also went off uh, and had a huge game. He actually went off the field first, then he came back on and proceeded to score two touchdowns, caught 10 of 12 targets for 95 yards in a, in a monster game. But his status is up in the air for this coming week. Um, 
you know, first of all, Jordan Reed's talent has never been the issue. It's always been durability. He's had a phenomenal uh, time every time he's been on the field, pretty much so. One of Kirk Cousins' favourite targets. But uh, rest of the season, how do you see him going? And uh, are you thinking that he's uh, sitting this week? Uh, it, it's difficult to tell, but it seems a lot more of the news is actually seeming like there's going to be a strategy to get him to play through it. Yeah. Um, one of the doctors, I forget who, you know, there's all these doctors online that you follow. It wasn't Doug uh, Moore anyway, because he's not a doctor. It was, I think it's not Doug Moore. I think it was Dr. Chow, the guy who yeah. um, was Sunday the Chargers. Yeah. yeah, it was the Chargers doctor. And he mentioned that, you know, basically, essentially, it's you know, it's a pain management thing. You know, uh, that there's not an incredible amount of, of, of risk in terms of, of – adding to the injury or exacerbating the injury, however you want to phrase it. But um, I guess what I mean is like the separations happened and then it's a matter of him getting through it. And then I guess then bracing it, but you know, it's, it's again, it's also difficult to tell because this is a guy who has missed a lot of football. Uh, thankfully, obviously it's not a head injury because that's the scariest element when it comes to this guy. Definitely. And the other thing is Vernon Davis has been really stellar. I mean, as a blocker and even just, he's the, he's six in fantasy points per game since week six among tight ends. I know he, he actually has a higher higher uh, yardage percentage in those weeks. I mean, obviously that's because Reed missed a few weeks. But I, what I mean by this is like even taking Reed out of the picture, he's actually been a part of the offense, you know, he, yeah. and even when he's in the picture. So it's like kind of like he has his share kind of established. So, yeah, I mean, I think in DFS or, or streaming, Ver- Davis is interesting this week, obviously, if Reed is out. But, I mean, I think you just have to plug him in. You know, I, I know that we have this question sometimes with Gronk. You know, say Gronk played this week or – you know, those weeks early in the season, I tend to side with the risk. I tend to say, listen, Gronk has 25% more fantasy points per game in his career than any other tight end. You know, 25% more <laughs> points per game than, than Jimmy Graham since 2009. That's ridiculous. That's you know, like, what, a, what an incredible margin. Yeah. So if you can be a quarter better than anybody else just based on, on expected value, I, I kind of take the risk. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there as well. And, you know, you can take... You know, start. I know CJ Fedoras has been playing quite well recently, but you could start him and get six or seven points, or you can start somebody like Reed, who last week uh, gets you know, up near thirty points. So there's a, a huge difference there, and I think it's a result. It's a results and process thing, yeah. right? I mean, it's like when you're talking about Deshaun Jackson or Tyree Kill. Like you, it's almost like I think you have to be married to a strategy, and then, or or at least like you know, like own your strategy, and then I don't think you should be upset what happens because. You know, you don't play football. I don't play football, so I don't control the, I don't control the outcomes. But I, but I do have this small little say in my little fake little imaginary world, and I at least, I at least want to own my decisions and not sit there and, uh, you know, and just and, and kind of embrace the variance, I guess, in in the rotoviz kind of world. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, and that's why sometimes when you get questions on Twitter about who should you start, I always say I would do this or I would do that, but I always say like make your own decision at the end of the day. Oh because, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, not no, my fault it, if you yeah. lose. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I've gotten plenty of hate mail, but it's part of the game. Yeah, it's definitely. And uh, the other thing is uh, you mentioned Vernon Davis. If um, you own Reed, and even if you don't own Reed, if you're in uh, trouble at the tight end position, he's definitely somebody to pick up uh, with the durability issues and the concerns over his status for this week. Uh, definitely somebody uh, to either stash or if you're in trouble to pick up this week. Moving on to a guy who many thought his season was over, uh, and that's AJ Green. It looks like he has a 50-50% chance to play this week, something that when he went down uh, last week that we thought there was absolutely no chance of I think uh, you know the Bengals season's really on the line now I think they're out of playoff contention probably in my book but uh, do you think that AJ does come back this week and uh, if he does again are you going with the the strategy you just mentioned you have to plug in your studs 
Yeah, I mean, again, it's also I'm gonna like counter myself because it comes down to like what they say, right? Like, is he a decoy, this or that? But yeah, I mean, if, if they feel good enough to put him out there in an NFL game, um, I'm willing to take the decoy risk. I've done it with with Calvin Johnson. I've done, you know, because you never know when is that week that it actually converts. They're not gonna tell you when's the week that it converts into production. Um, it sounds like like some reports yesterday. Like, I think some of this is gamesmanship by Lewis. Um, because he's he, one. I think he spent Monday talking about AJ Green, so he didn't have to talk about Sunday. And and two, and Justin Tucker. I, yeah, exactly. I think two. Uh, you know, and and the and the tip pass tip passes. You yeah. know, like I think there's some stat that Dalton had more tip passes in 80 seconds than than Flacco has had in 450 attempts this year. But uh, yeah, no. The, the the premise being, I think he's gamesmanship wise trying to say this guy might start. He might play. I'm of the belief that he doesn't play this week because it's a speed injury and you don't really want to mess with a hamstring, especially if they're talking about, you know, Rappaport reported there was a tear earlier. Yeah. But again, no one knows this except their team and him, um, you know, and it's obviously a massive loss. He led the league in percentage of his past of his team's yardage. He had 38 percent of the team's yards, which is ridiculous uh, through week 10. So, yeah, I'm playing him. If, if, if the team's playing him, I'm playing him because. Uh, what's your alternative? Am I going to play Marquise Wilson or some kind of borderline guy? <laughs> now, if you're, uh, like a ten so. team, if you're in a 10-team league, obviously, yeah. and you have some great option, you have Dante Moncrief, I'm more than likely going to play Dante Moncrief. This isn't like a I'm ranking A.J. Green as a top-10 guy again. It's just that I have enough. If he's ranked in my top 25, I'm going to use him as if he's ranked in my top 25. Not, not you know, you know, it's not a fake ranking is my point. You know, you're actually going to be actionable with that decision. Yeah, and I think as well, I felt when Marvin Lewis was talking on Monday that it was a case of, you know, trying to see if the other team would start to maybe spend some of their time this week game planning for AJ Green. I really don't see him suiting up this week. I think the injury is a lot more severe than a one-week layoff, but we will see later in the week as time continues. As I mentioned, this is recording on Tuesday, so make sure you stay tuned uh, to the news over the, the next couple of days. Doug, moving on to a question for you, and we're going to one of the Patriots rivals here it's the, the Buffalo Bills and Sammy Watkins back uh, obviously it was his first game active after he was on IR and he caught uh, three balls and three targets for 80 yards and uh, one of them was a 62 yard pass from Tyrod Taylor looking very sharp uh, played a, quite a good percentage of the snaps 25 of 55 in his return obviously hugely impressive but coming into the next couple of games now he is uh, Oakland next in Oakland he is Pittsburgh coming up he is Cleveland and then Miami uh, so quite a quite a nice run here and I think that he's one of those players that if people did stash him two or three weeks ago when we were talking about it in the podcast that he could go on to be one of those guys who really propels you to a fantasy title is he somebody that you think is going to go on a, a really strong run here and uh, is, or is uh, you know Tyrod Taylor being the quarterback are you concerned uh, about the quarterbacks uh, passing ability no so I, I mean I'm still a big Tyrod Taylor believer uh, just in general I think he's still a very underrated quarterback who's had very little to work with when you factor in the fact that he has missed LaShawn McCoy a few games this season and he has really no wide receiver or tight end help outside of Sammy Watkins yeah. uh, he's done very well for himself and also injuries to the offensive line so uh, in regards to Sammy Watkins it was extremely um, impressive and also just refreshing uh, I'm trying to find the right word here but relieving I guess in a way thirst to, to see yes yes um to, to see him out there you know he was making plays in his first game back and many thought he was gonna be out for the entire season um i don't think you can doubt Watkins just because he's still very talented still very young yes he has an injury history but also the bigger thing here is like with aj green he has such a massive target share when he's on the field 
Because, um, again, there's really no other options uh, in regards to playmakers outside of LaShawn McCoy for the Bills. Um, and I, I think it's a situation where this is going to open up their offense a little bit more because nobody's feared their passing offense, especially with Robert Wood still dealing with an injury. Um, it, it's just been a situation where they, they're keying in on the run, but they're still not being able to stop it. But still, it just opens up their offense more. So I, I would definitely, especially when you mentioned the, the schedule for the rest of the season, you've got a very favorable matchup against some weak secondaries. Uh, I know that the Raiders' secondary is improving a little bit, but then they go and do what they did to, to Ted Ginn and allow that. So, I, you know, I think he's got a great, uh, you know, playoff schedule. I think he looked very healthy in that game, and he played nearly 50% of the snaps in his first game back, which is pretty good uh, for a guy who missed as much time as he did for the injury he had. So I, I would be very confident in him moving forward. I would say if you didn't listen to us weeks ago when we said you should have picked him up, then you know you can't blame us now. But he, <laughs> he's in line to be a fancy playoff difference maker, I would say. Yeah, you pretty much agree with that, Jim? Yeah, I mean, he had, you know, he only played, what, uh, 45% of the snaps, but he had 80 yards, and the rest of the Bills had 86 yards. <laughs> so, yeah, and, he, and he's the kind of guy, like, he can make it in one play. Last year, he had 16% more fantasy points on deep passes, passes of 15 yards or more than any other player in football. He averaged the most points, you know, of anybody with, like, at least, you know, 50 targets last year on those, which is to say he's the most productive and consistently productive deep threat in the NFL. Um and as much as we kind of, I think some people get tired, not tired, or you kind of get weary of his injury history, he's also 23 years old. So his Crazy. best season is yeah. his best season still coming. And yeah. he's one of these guys who, like a Mike Evans or like these guys, has, has broke out so early in college and then was so productive in, immediately in the pros that I think sometimes we take for granted that their zenith isn't here yet. Their peak is not here yet. And yeah, he could be a league winner. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you guys remember when like Lee Evans used to be Mr. December. Lee Evans used to win everybody their league in December because he'd have these huge three touchdown games. Completely different situation. But what I mean is, yeah, like leagues aren't always just won by the guys that we expect to win them, right? They're also won by, you know, he was dropped in a lot of leagues because it was week three and people were like, I can't take it. Back. Yeah, and they thought he wasn't coming back. You know, I need to make sure that I hold on to, you know you know uh christine michael <laughs> you know like... I, de I definitely agree with you on all those points there and you you mentioned uh, mike evans we're going to talk about some wide receivers in that 2014 class watkins obviously was taken uh, as a first wide receiver in that group uh, obj also involved in that he had a big game this week again with uh, another two touchdown performance although the giants and eli manning didn't look all that uh, explosive or impressive in that game against the cleveland browns but mike evans uh, started that uh, particularly the first quarter against the seahawks quite explosively uh, up against richard sherman on one of the touchdowns and how impressed uh, have you been just this season? Uh, you know, I, I started asking on Twitter, do you think he's in that all-pro category for wide receiver with how he's played this year? Oh, I definitely think so, especially because it's like it, the volume is amazing, but he's also handling it with such, you know, with such productivity. I mean, yeah, he's got the highest target share in the league. He's got 32 or 33 percent of the, of the market there in Tampa. Um, he's got 33 percent and he's a third of his team's yards. And in this modern NFL, to have a third of an all-passing offense – it's just incredible, um, and yeah, it's it's an exciting kind of tandem. Him and him and Winston are exciting. Um, I used to cover high school recruiting, and I remember when Evans was coming into the fray, and you know he has this freak quotient that you can't teach. You know, um, it's there's not many p humans that are six four and and have his speed and his the catch radius. You know, uh, and, and touchdowns. I think we we 
not that we take them for granted, but I think uh, in fantasy, like it's kind of water and red zone and stuff. Uh, not selling like an old guy, but it's kind of watered down the the idea of how valuable touchdowns are. And like, it's not very common for somebody to catch ten touchdowns. And it looks like last year's the obvious outlier, right? Yeah, this yeah. is a guy who, this guy, this is a ten to twelve to fifteen. The, he's going to have that year anyway. But he, this is a ten touchdown plus guy. And it, with Brent, for example, with Brandon Marshall did it for all those years. That's an amazing yeah, skill set. as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's this like there's this small contingent of players who can do this. I mean, Odell does it in a completely different way. Um, so does Antonio, and they're more the outliers. I think this is more the archetype of how you of how you get consistent touchdowns. So yeah, I mean, the best part is is that you know neither of these players they're both so young that they're going to have a run together that's going to be so fun. Yeah. So in, in Dynasty, he's amazing, and obviously, um, you know, next year he's obviously a first rounder, and I and I don't think he comes with the same inherent risk, for example, that an Allen Robinson. Or, a, you know, we had this burn rate with with, with Hopkins and, and Robinson. Can yeah. you imagine the guy who drafted those two? I, I probably <laughs> had a league like that, and it's, you felt so good. Um, but, yeah, you know, being married to this offense with Jameis Winston is almost one of the best elements of it. Yeah, and, and, you, st- I, uh, and you start up Dynasty. I took this year, uh, my first pick was um, Robinson's second pick was Keenan Allen. And I, I'm I, pretty go. much with Keenan Allen in all my leagues. So that one, uh, that, that there uh, is definitely not playoff contention at the moment uh, moving on to uh, a wide receiver just a quick note on him it's Devontae Adams of the Packers and we all kind of laughed at him coming into this season had a very poor second year had a middling to mediocre first year we kind of thought he was going to break out last year but he is certainly breaking out at the moment a two touchdown game against the Eagles and uh, you're an Eagles fan right Jim? I am. Yeah, sadly, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a Packers fan, so <laughs> I, I was happier uh, waking up on Tuesday morning. I think yeah, it's been a tough, uh, tough few weeks for both teams, but um, the Packers edging out in that one. But Adams starting to uh, produce uh, on a consistent basis. I think you're starting him rest of season anyway. No doubts about that. But a wide receiver who isn't uh, a young wide receiver, but a lot of people might think he's young at the wide receiver position. But uh, playing quarterback prior to that, that's Terrell Pryor. Another big game this week, over a hundred yards for him. I'm, I'm, each and every week uh, I mention it, I'm shocked at how well he's adjusted to the position. I'm going to let Doug go first, then I'll get your thoughts, Jim. Uh, Doug, uh, your thoughts on Tyrod, Ty uh, sorry, Terrell Pryor, uh, and how good he's been over the last couple of weeks with those wonderful I think the biggest thing when it comes to ter- Right. So I, I think the biggest thing when it comes to Terrell Pryor, when you think about it, is yes, he's had this breakout season, um, and yes, he's worked well with Hugh Jackson before. I think when they were in Oakland together, um, and when he was with Cincinnati a little while as well. But the thing is, is that their quarterback play has just been putrid this season, um, and the fact that he's still able to put up these numbers. Now, I'm not saying that the Browns are going to improve their situation in 2017, but just imagine if this guy, you know, gets to play in a Hugh Jackson offense for years to come, which it sounds like it's going to be at this point, assuming that Hugh Jackson is obviously kept on and also that Terrell Pryor does keep with his word and, you know, basically saying that he's going to stay with the Browns in the contract year. Um, you know, but I, I think they're in a situation where they, they it's almost impossible not to improve on their situation and i know we we probably said the same thing with the texans last year with deandre hawkins and now look what we we've done um but no i I think it's just a situation where um you know he he, his sky the sky is the limit for this guy it's only it's the only unfortunate part is he's actually getting pretty old for wide receivers at their peak i think he's 28 now um and that's usually where they start to peak or start to slow down a little bit so it doesn't look like that's happening, but I wish we could see 10 years of him dominating like we do. But I'm very confident in him going forward. If he can do what he can do with what he has th- or who he has throwing to him, 
I can only imagine that it's going to get better. And and I know that's the same thing with DeAndre Hopkins, but this guy is just really he's turned it up this season. He's breaking out for real. He kind of reminds me of what DeAndre Hopkins was doing last year with kind of a, a carousel of quarterbacks, and then we see what Hopkins has been able to do this side with a one quarterback all season. So I don't know how positive that is to talk about it that way. But obviously the Browns have a you know they're going to have a huge amount of cap space so they're they're going to offer him a huge amount of money whether it's wise or not but Jim uh, you know we mentioned he's older uh, we can everyone's kind of going to just key in and keep keep rolling with him the rest of the season but uh, dynasty wise you know keeper wise how do you value he's somebody who is very very tough to value at the moment he is difficult because you know one uh some of this is supported by volume right uh it, it's just he's got like a 28 percent share of the offense of the of the passing offense rather and yeah so you have these carousel it is similar to hopkins in the sense that there was such incredible volume that you know if you catch seven of 15 targets that's still seven catches right um uh, you know you don't need an efficiency level uh we saw that with kelvin benjamin before yeah but yeah i think you know i think there is there is there are some risks in dynasty because Corey coleman is really the the, the kind of building block at the position um it's obvious you know we, Gordon's not in the picture anymore, but this is a team that will still continue to add uh, to that offense. But no, I mean, he's really talented. I mean, there is a level of freak here. There's a freak quotient. And I mean, you know, to to, to go back to Rotoviz, you know, some of their stuff like their their freak app or whatever, their freak quotient. He's one of these guys who's in that Vincent Jackson, you know, Julio Jones, Andre Johnson mold where they don't make many human beings that are 6'4", 230 and run a 4'4". I agree with Doug. This guy's 27. He'll be 28 going into next year. That's not that's not really ideal for a guy who's just learning a position. But he, I don't know. I have a brother-in-law who it's frustrating. Like I can golf all all summer and he just steps up and just kills it. You know, <laughs> like you know, because he was a college athlete. He yeah. played hockey. He's a French Canadian guy, Francois, and he's so smooth and he's hysterical. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he can have like six beers and then just like you know, he's gonna shoot a, a, a you know a 74 in front of you and you're just you're struggling. And I guess my point is, is that there's naturals out there, you know, and there's guys who accelerate learning curves and all these things. And the crazy part is he's probably the best quarterback on the Browns right now, too. Yeah, seen, seen um, a few people said that. <laughs> but it's, it's true. He wasn't that bad with Oakland, really, in, in context. But, yeah, uh, he's he's a really valuable player this year. I agree with Doug that he's, he's he is what he is this year. He's a top – he's not a top 10 guy. He's in that 10 to, to 18 to 20 range, which is still really valuable. Um, but, yeah, as a dynasty guy, I guess I'm actually a buyer um, to, 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 to wrap up all that talk I just said because he's going to be on a team that I, that that is going to have some continuity with the offense. I agree that Hugh Jackson – I'm a Sixers fan, so I know, like, being on a team that's intentionally losing strategically on an analytics level, which is what the Browns are doing, they're, they're, they're tanking to, to reinvent their, their talent paradigm. Yeah. And, and I think uh, – you know, Hugh is signed up for that. Like, this isn't a mystery. You can't blame Hugh Jackson for, for losing with the, with his gang of players. But, yeah, I think Terrell Pryor, they're going to pay him a ton of money, and he's he's not going to have this target share. But you know what I think it could become? I think it could become that Crabtree kind of uh, Cooper share, where there's still a lot of value. They, I think they almost have the exact amount of share. It's like 24, 24.3% between the two. I think that's what you could see with Coleman and and. And prior, and I still think he can maintain wide receiver too. And I think a lot of people in Dynasty are going to want to sell and maybe not approach him at his real value because of the age thing. And there's a lot yeah. of ages in, in Dynasty. Oh, definitely, yep. And I think you can play to that because and it depends what you, I guess, how your Dynasty team is built. But I look in three year windows and two year windows. I don't yep. look in five and six year windows because, you That's know, a waste of time. Yeah, what are you going to, you know, like these guys might not be playing football. 
I agree 100%. Uh, pretty much echoes my uh, dynasty view on things. A couple of notes to, to run through here just as we get towards the end of the show. Uh, Farrell, or Malcolm Mitchell, sorry, of the New England Patriots uh, had a big week this week and burned uh, Darrell Revis a couple of times, two touchdowns. Uh, almost got a third from Tom Brady and it looks like Brady is uh, building a strong rapport with him already um, coming out of Georgia. I think he's you know he's looked impressive but again we talked about it with Hill. It's one of those things I think people are going to chase those points for the next couple of weeks and when we get uh, if we do get Gronk back and you know we had Ben it missing quite a portion of that game the last day wasn't 100% healthy obviously there's those targets going to be funneled somewhere else and I think it's hard to call as you mentioned outside of Edelman who's going to get that workload week in week out for the Patriots another rookie who has been really tearing it up uh, as of late and that's uh, Michael Thomas he did have a tough outing against the Denver Broncos a couple of weeks back with two fumbles but this week uh, he's pretty much leading uh, the New Orleans Saints in uh, pretty much every receiving category going and uh, this week had a nice game but Branton Cooks is kind of the talking point coming out of it he finished with no targets are you concerned Jim rest of season with uh, Branton Cooks or do you think this is one where he'll bounce back this week he's somebody who you know we talked about earlier he's that kind of hit or miss player boomer boss do you see him this week uh, possibly getting back to, to where his owners expect him to be yeah, I mean, in DFS, I really love him because I think there's going to be some recency bias here. It's going to drive his value down, and you're, you know, you're facing Detroit. He can get loose. This is also a guy, he's almost a, he's a home road guy, too. You know, he does so much of his big play stuff on the fast track uh, in the Superdome. I think he, you know, he leads the team in touchdowns and yards, and I think he averages 21 yards per catch at home. So, 21.4. Yes, yeah, so there's a guy who, you know, you want to get when he's in the Superdome. And again, I'm going to embrace the variance. I don't love zero targets. Um, <laughs> You know, Sean Payton kind of, you know, said it was to game script, but I'd rather that be the reasoning than, you know, injury or or honestly just shifting his role. He was out. The point is, I guess, is he ran the routes. He was on the field. But, yeah, Drew Brees is always kind of his favorite receiver has always been the open man. And right now that's that's Thomas. And, you know, I think some, some some things that were lost in the evaluation process with Thomas would probably be the fact that he came from this offense in Ohio State that never really, you know, catered. It doesn't really flat show receivers in their pro style set. It's really you're just kind of watching Ezekiel Elliott run all day. Um, so it's interesting to see how sometimes we miss on guys because we blame their. You know, like there's that idea of dominator rating and all those things. And yeah. how special were you in college? I think Michael Thomas is arguably you know the best receiver, actual full receiver on the team right now. So Cooks is that Deshaun Jackson guy, but he just probably is souped up because he's got Drew Brees throwing to him. I still trust him. I just know that he's. He's not this top 10 guy we made him out to be. He's a guy who can be top 10 any given week, but he's yeah. not going to be. You know what I mean? There's a difference. Yeah, I think I, I pretty much agree with you there. And this year he was going a lot of second rounds. I think if he was going in somewhere the third or early fourth, he's somebody I'd yeah, be chase, a lot more comfortable. Yeah, chasing his ceiling almost, yeah. right. And uh, he obviously, you mentioned there, the, the concern I had was that he's averaging 94 yards at home, but this was a game at home where they dropped 49 points right. on the Rams. And, uh, you know, not to get any yards. But we'll see. I, I'm pretty sure that he's going to, He's going to bounce back from it. I think there's definitely the talent there. The speed's definitely there. and There's no doubt that uh, he'll get work back in there again. I'm not concerned too much about that. Uh, moving on to Mark Ingram, uh, Tim Hightower. Obviously, that's split in the backfield, but I think it's pretty clear at this stage that with the workload they're both getting, pretty much start both of them. Uh, they're, they're playing very, very well, both of them. I, I'm an Ingram guy. I do like his talent a lot more, but I have to say that uh, Hightower as well is uh, getting the job done when given those opportunities. So I think the rest of the season, you're pretty much starting both of them uh, if you have them in your lineups uh moving on then to the seattle seahawks they really struggled again with the offensive line and uh russell wilson pretty much getting hit on every drop back was sacked six times and ended with 151 yards and 33 attempts so real struggles 
for the uh, Seattle Seahawks offense against Tampa Bay and uh, of course then Thomas Rawls had his issues behind the line you joked earlier about Christine Michael he's obviously uh, no longer with the team now with the Packers but you know rest of the season is going to be uh, up and down I think depending on how that offensive line can can get things going I'm not concerned about Wilson but I'm concerned about Thomas Rawls rest of season just to finish up uh, I'm going to let Doug go first on this one Last year, I mentioned Tim Hightower there. Last year, he won a lot of people leagues uh, as a waiver wire pickup in those last couple of weeks of the season. Spencer Ware probably falls into that category as well. Doug, have you somebody that you think uh, that's on the waiver wire uh, in the majority of leagues at the moment that could be a league winner uh, as we head into the playoffs? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, <laughs> Doug, fully prepared oh, for the question. <laughs> I, I was totally prepared for this. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. Well, let Jim go first. Uh, Doug can think about it. Yeah, let, 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 yeah, maybe maybe you can edit that out and let Jim go first, and then I can <laughs> look smarter later. Yeah, not edit, like not out. Leave it in. I, I like that. Leave it in. Um, <laughs> no, I guess a guy he probably has a higher ownership uh, than probably what we're looking for. But I think I think Kenneth Dixon. I think this. God the, the tra- damn it, Jimmy! That was mine. <laughs> the you transition. Had the, you had the chance to go first, Doug. The transition is happening. I know, but oh, I, I think the guy that a lot of people pegged was Deion Lewis. Yeah. Um, but it's just too cloudy there. I mean, like last week, White gets eight targets, he gets eight targets, and they're kind of splitting the same job. Uh, you know, he he is interesting. He he doesn't exactly look complete like himself yet, and I think it's one of these things where you know he might get he might become Deion Lewis in the playoffs and a game a game script kind of guy. But Kenneth Dixon, you know, he this is the first week he overtook uh, West in in in, in touches. He had a career high in snaps, um, and really it's just the receiving. I mean, just to watch the tape, like when he ca- when West catches the ball, it's like kind of a comeback. He's sitting down and he catches it and falls over, and and Dixon catches it in stride and makes something happen with it. And it's just because it's just a skill set. I mean, I think College Football Focus does like a yards per route run thing for for uh, obviously college players, and he was the number one guy in yards per route run at Louisiana Tech in the dra- of draft eligible backs last year. I think he had the highest receiving grade among backs last year in the draft class and it's like it's almost like you know it's not David Johnson I'm not comparing them but what I'm saying is it's one of these guys who if he's given the opportunity to to show off the skills that we all liked in the draft community it's actually it it fits really well with what they do because Joe Flacco doesn't pass past five yards really you know it's he'll pass 45 times and have 230 yards that's actually plays in this isn't the Tressman offense which actually would have been really fun fantasy wise yeah. but it's still an offense i think that's going to give him 17 to 20 touches and then if west ever goes away then you're talking about a guy who can win you the league and uh doug have you thought of anyone since uh oh boy um <laughs> i have not i i'm okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah I, um oh that's a good one you know i i might cheat a little bit here uh, i don't know if this guy has owned a lot um but I'm going to say Hunter Henry here. I think if I'm not mistaken, he had a touchdown this past weekend or yeah, he did. last yeah. week. He did. Okay. So I think it's a situation where, um, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, even though Antonio Gates is still there, and this is probably a weak selection, I'll be the first to admit it, but there's really not a lot of guys in terms of uh, league changers. But I, I would say that, you know, Hunter Henry, you know, he came on early on in the season when Antonio Gates, uh, I think he had the knee injury. And, you know, he, he's definitely proven. And I talked about him earlier. You know, he's part of that young, young core that the Chargers have where it just looks great for the future. And I think Hunter Henry has shown that he can really handle a, a number one tight end role uh, on a team, especially like the Chargers, that passes a ton. Um, so I think he, even with Antonio Gates in there, I know that, you know, you, you have 
Travis Benjamin, you have Tyrell Williams and Dontrell Inman even to worry about as well. But I think he's a guy that he's going to be a great red zone target for Phillip Rivers uh, for the rest of the season. Um, you know, I think they're still in the mix of things, so they're definitely going to be, I guess, in terms of, of trying, they're going to be trying harder than the Browns, except because maybe not the Browns because they still want at least one win. But, um, but you know, it's just a situation where I think he's going to be a guy who is going to be very touchdown dependent, but I think he's also a guy who can get a lot of touchdowns. I think he's a great red zone target. He's got great size and he's got great hands for a tight end. Um, so I, I think he's a guy that you could definitely look at uh, going forward that, um, you know, could maybe, especially at a volatile position such as tight end, be relied on when you have injuries like Rob Gronkowski, Jordan Reed, um, guys like that. So I, I would say Hunter Henry and, and I pray to God that I'm at least half right. Yeah, well, I'm surprised at the many leagues he's actually available in, and as well, uh, I think Antonio Gates was held uh, this past week with um, no targets as well, similar to Brandon Cooks. Um, we're just going to go a little bit more out to the box and uh, go for two wide receivers. I think Marcus Lee has seen a, a, a little bit of an uptick in his usage for the Jacksonville Jaguars, although we've seen the way Bartles has been playing this season, but he seems to be, you know, Bartles is starting to try to go for a little bit more sharp passing game, and uh, you know, he's somebody who's getting those targets. But somebody I think who's, over the last couple of weeks has got a nice uptick and he's starting to you know we we know he has that red zone threat and that's uh doriel green beckham for the eagles and i'm interested to see what jim thinks he's got five catches two weeks ago and six catches this week although jordan matthews did miss a large chunk of this past game do you think dgb could be somebody down the stretch with the you know the touchdown upside that could sneak somebody over the line well yeah i mean there's times that you look at Doriel Green Beckham and you see how he uses his body and you say i see i see why the eagles traded for him and then there's times that i see him and i see how he runs a route or he <laughs> and i say i see why the tennessee titans gave Trailing up on him away, yeah. um so exactly. you see it both sides i mean yeah. i remember covering him in high school i covered that high school class for espn and uh you know he had seven thousand plus yards in high school yeah. <laughs> he, had the, he had the most yards in the history of high school football so, i mean this is a, this is a guy who but you know some of this is also kind of the idea of like he was just like a go up and get it guy you know he was always so much bigger that I think some of the, the the technician stuff was lost. And then obviously not really going through a consistent college experience and not being in a similar, you know, he jumped around. Yeah, uh, It's kind of been a little bit of a, like a football gypsy in the sense he's moved around. He hasn't stayed in one place and worked on his game. Um, I think the, cool, the best part about his upside in Philly, I think it's actually more of a 2017 thing, to be honest. I do like his skill set and think that if you get this guy in the right space, he could do well. But I agree with you in the sense that in DFS or in a deeper league that where he, you know, if we're really going to be using guys who are available in the vast majority of leagues, he's a guy who can catch touchdowns. Right. And, um, it's just, I wonder how many touchdowns the Eagles are going to score. You know, uh, I think they're 25th in points per drive ever since, uh, Lane Johnson went down, but just to pick up on the Henry thing. And there's a cool stat that I, cause I, I write up the AFC projections for ESPN and, uh, you know, Rivers and Henry have connected for five touchdowns in the end zone this season. That's the most, you know, of a QB tight end, uh, you know, connection. And then Gates Gates ran the most, you know, uh, snaps from the slot this week in the NFL. He ran 77.3 uh, percent of his, his routes in the, the slot of tight ends, and he wasn't targeted. So, yeah, yeah it was a little random cooksy. Yeah. But I still – I think the exposure rate is, is, is still dangerous. But, yeah, no, Henry – is almost like he could be an Eifert eventually. He could be one of these guys who just outperforms his 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 usage with touchdowns. Yeah, and to do it as a rookie as well, uh, so early in his career, something That's... that we, we don't see with a lot of players that early. So uh, you mentioned there the AFC projections. Uh, before we finish up, Jim, is there anything you've got coming out this week that uh, you want to get the uh, 
listeners to go and have a check out and obviously you can follow jim on twitter as well it's at underscore jimmy mccormick definitely worth checking him out on there uh, always great information stats and so on uh, being put out but anything any articles coming out this week jim yeah i mean i do i'm stepping in for al zeidenfeld uh tomorrow which is tough i didn't win a million dollars this year he did yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing it yet. Not yet. Yet. Yeah. There's still there's still some weeks left. Uh, I, I, I like to wait. Yeah. I like to wait till like week fifteen it. to win my million. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, no no pressure. But yeah, I'm I'm doing uh, the DFS Best Buys article for ESPN. That'll be fun. And uh, you know, it's just I really what's interesting is I spend the whole week in the early week getting ready for projections for season long, and it it does help uh, daily because you know you're just up on the usage trends and i think there's this weird thing where like there there's these there were these two separate worlds dfs and redraft but really we're all from the same place we're all just nerds they're all just, I, yeah. but i do get i do really understand that you have to have a different mentality and you can't be married to the recency or you know the results you have to be ready to treat it like its own market so that's what i love about dfs is that it forces us to look at it as a one-week season and a one-week appraisal i i often uh well i find myself recently basically this season more than ever before sometimes if you're maybe on a 50 50 decision over a player checking uh what they're expected to do in dfs and that can be very very helpful because that, those people are just looking at it on a one-week basis rather than agreed yeah, like season. ceiling type stuff yeah. right yeah so, so and we mentioned earlier with picking players sometimes you need to look at maybe somebody else had a player go off on thursday and you need that big score on a sunday sometimes you need to evaluate your team versus their team and see if you do need that big week so i think it's very very interesting to do that obviously i mentioned there at underscore jimmy mccormick on twitter doug's on twitter at dmore nfl i'm on twitter at overtime ireland and uh, of course this is out early in the week but uh, make sure you retweet it uh, give us a comment in itunes or stitch or whatever you're listening to it on and and until me and doug are back next week well hopefully doug's still back uh, and it wasn't just a one <laughs> he's one still week. driving yeah <laughs> and until until we're back next week of course have a good one Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.